Greetings and welcome to Stamper Cinema. As always, I am your host, Andrew Stamper. For this episode, we are going to be doing something a little bit different. We are doing a three-part series on the Bill and Ted trilogy. And this particular episode, we are going to be focusing on the OG film of the bunch. That's right, the 1989 Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. To help me take on this task, we are welcoming back a an old friend. You may recognize him from our Star Trek II Wrath of Khan episode. Without further ado, welcome back to the show, Mr. John Rowe. Hello, Stamper Cinema. Welcome. Hey, glad hey to be what's back. going on, man? How have you been? Pretty good. Pretty nice. Moved into a new place. Uh, still working and, uh, you know, living. L-I-V-I-N. Yeah, L-I-V-I-N. That, that, you know, little Matthew McConaughey. He's an Austin guy, right? Is he from Austin or is he just from Texas? Uh, I want to say he grew up in Uvalde, but he did study at the University of Texas, the film studio, and he did feature in such films as a young artist that were in Austin, like Days of Fuse. Yeah. Richard Linklater. So he's always, uh, Austin's his home. Yeah, man. He's also part owner of the, uh, Austin football club, right? He is. He is. Uh, as a football fan, I'm pretty excited. Um, so many things I liked within the Atlanta United football club was local ownership. And I'm happy that uh, we have locals such as McConaughey who are, are invested. It makes me more excited as somebody who grew up in Austin uh, that, you know, Austinites are, you know, in charge of their own, their own team. Dude, I am so excited about Austin FC joining the league next year. Obviously, yeah, I'm an Atlanta United fan, but I'm going to be an Austin FC fan as well. Without a doubt, I will be going to games whenever it is uh, humanly possible to have fans back in the in the stands and everything. But yeah, I'm, I'm really excited about Austin FC joining the league. I'm also really excited that the kit sponsor for Austin FC is Yeti. So... Another local tie right there by having not just a a cool cooler company, but like the coolest cooler company. So that'll be fun. I'll definitely have a, an Austin FC kit rocking a, that you know that that Yeti sponsorship on there. Yeah, they're great for tailgates, dude. So I don't know. Not that this is really super uh, super important or whatnot. I was gifted a like a Tundra 65, which is like a big ass Yeti. And I got it with the intention of like, this is going to be epic for, for MLS games or, or whatnot. Like, yeah, as you said, tailgating, but of course with COVID ain't any of that shit happening. Right. I mean, you know, there's always 2021, right? So next year, let's talk about what we've got going on tonight. Bill and Ted, right? Excellent adventure. Bill and Ted. Yeah, we're talking about the future right now. Let's talk about the past. Let's go back to 1988. Was it released? Uh, I want to say it was 89. Now, I know that they shot it in like 87 or 88, but I want to say it came out in 1989. Whatever. I mean, the 80s, right? We can agree that it was the late 80s, if you will. Sure. Yeah. So one of the things that I found, I guess, a little bit interesting in my studies was that I guess the screenwriters wrote it in 83. And I don't know if you know this, but there was this other time traveling movie back in the eighties. Really do tell. I, I, I don't know what movie you are possibly referring to. 
Well, get it or not, there's this high school kid who liked to jam out, you know, in a garage, a guitar. And you may be, some of y'all may be thinking I'm talking about Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventures here, but no, it was Back to the Future that came out in 1985. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, Back to the Future, another another 80s time-traveling movie about a, a high school kid that likes to play play the guitar, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and it made me think when I'm watching Bill and Ted's, there are some comparisons between them. <laughs> That, uh, I mean, whenever they play the guitar, the Bill and Ted blow out the speakers. So does Marty, you know? <laughs> yeah, absolutely right. In, yeah. They do have an older, they do have like an older guy, Sage, that kind of explains to them the rules as well, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. I guess now would be a good time. You know, we've been kind of like chatting around and everything, but do you want to give a brief synopsis of what Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure is all about? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure is about two best bros, best friends who are destined for greatness. They are fun, loving, kind individuals, and they just don't want to give nobody no problems. And they just want people to be cool. They hope you are excellent. And, uh, you know, they just want the parties to go on. So ultimately, if these individuals could somehow you know, become leaders and, you know, uh, and people would listen to their message of, you know, just party on, be excellent. Then the world would turn into a better place. I mean, by that, I'm saying that golf averages would go way down and bowling <laughs> averages would go way up. So uh, to help them along this adventure, they have a friend named Rufus from the future who sets them on their path. Yeah, I mean, that, that pretty much... That pretty much is like the the big the big picture. The small picture is you've got Bill and Ted, two high school students, right? And they're failing their history class because you know they they don't have time for school. They just wanna they wanna get their band going, right? And what's the name of the band? Wild Stallions. All right, I'm really proud of that. Neither one of us rehearsed this. We're not like on video. We didn't discuss that, and I think we had that perfectly timed, right? I like to hope so. Yeah, yeah. We'll yeah. we'll let the audience uh, decide. But so you've got these two high school kids that don't really have time for school. I mean, they go to class and whatnot, but they're failing history. And if they don't, if they don't pass, not just like pass, but that if they don't get a really solid score, they're gonna they're gonna you know they're gonna flunk out. And this is no bueno because what that means is Ted, his dad, who is like a a little bit more strict of the two fathers is going to send his ass packing all the way up to Alaska to uh, what's the name of the Colonel Colonel Oates, right? Yeah. So they're going to send him to Alaska to be mentored by a really strict Colonel named Colonel Oates, who you don't, you don't, we don't see on camera or anything like that, but this is scary because shoot, you know, what are we going to do? Oh my God, we're going to fail history, blah, 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 blah. So, well, what could happen to the universe if they are not able to help? Oh, and Atlanta United got a goal. Uh, sorry, it's the very end of the game, and this part will be deleted out, but I just turned to look at the screen right as Atlanta United uh, scored a uh, a tying goal. So, United. But anyway, yeah, uh, I'll... 
<laughs> my, my, my phone just uh, buzzed to let me know that Atlanta United just scored. But anyway, all right. Uh, I forget where we were at, where we were at, but something about the universe. But yeah. Um, well, where do you want to Where do you want to start? Well, I guess we'll start with the introduction of Rufus to them. I mean, we the first character we really meet in the film is Rufus, anyway, right? It's seven hundred years into the future, and he's telling a little bit about their town, San Dimas, and yada yada yada. And we go back to the eighties, but Rufus meets them one evening and sets them on their path. I guess we can start there, right? Well, as Inigo Montoya says it, I like to start back at the beginning. (laughs) (laughs) Different movie, Princess Bride, for for the listeners out there who's wondering who uh, Inigo Montoya is. But yeah, please take us back to the beginning. So you do start with Rufus, and uh, you know he talks about how great the world is, as it has become. I think it's... 2,688. So you have these great people and they send Rufus. And so like, they're like, Hey, it's your time to go change these people's lives. And what's curious to me as a time travel movie, is that his role? Cause Rufus only shows up like three times with Bill and Ted. Yeah. Like he shows up twice in the movie, but it's the same. He's in the same place in the same action. So it's the same Rufus. So what is his role as a time traveling person? He, cause he only goes to one thing. Like that's his job. His entire life is to go to one event and hopefully put Bill and Ted on their excellent adventures. And he has to multitask at the same time. Yeah. I don't, I, I think, I don't know if they could really afford George Carlin for more than like 15 lines in the movie, <laughs> but cause Rufus really doesn't do anything in the movie at all. Right. I mean, he's like, gentlemen, I'm going to, we're going to hop in this phone booth and I'm going to take you to France and Austria. we're not really, Austria. Oh yeah. We're t- yeah. We're taking to Austria and nothing happens there. They don't, they don't do anything. They don't interact with anybody. They just randomly take them to Austria and said, all right, cool. We're in Austria. Well, it's time to get back. And then what do you know it? Napoleon gets, you know, blown into the, 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 the portal, if you will. And he, he travels through time with them. I think this is one of the things that's good about this show is the first person who gave him the idea fell into the laps. They didn't try. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, the second one was Billy the Kid and they helped him out. He had a dilemma, you know, so they kept getting better. Third one, Socrates. They kind of. <laughs> Socrates. <really>, Socrates. <laughs> um, then they. And what I really like is whenever they meet up with. Uh, well, what, anyways, we're going to start back at the beginning. We're going to go through a one. We can go through a one at a time. Uh, the meet up through the people. But um, I think progressively they it may they get better at stealing people through history yeah they put out a twinkie (laughs) they just throw the lasso and pull the guy in so bill and ted gain experience and become better at stealing people from history so i appreciated that in the film yeah I, I appreciate everything in this movie. I mean, the movie is what it is, right? I mean, it, it, it's a fun ride, right? I mean, I don't think this movie you're really supposed to be really analyzing deep, deep themes other than, you know, friendship and and fate and destiny, things like that, right? But 
it's a nonstop, like it's impossible to watch this movie and not have a smile on your face. Right. I mean, they're, they're just two really likable guys. And I, and I, and I know the history that where these two characters originated, uh, you've heard about uh, like the, the, the um, what's the, the the origin story, if you will, of Bill and Ted, right? Like who, where these store, where these characters came from, right? From my understanding, the uh, writers of the film were a couple guys from UCLA, Berkeley, and uh, they're writing back in 83. One of their fathers was pretty famous. He was a film writer for Twilight Zone, a couple other things. And um, originally, apparently it was supposed to be Bill and Ted and Bob's, but there was a third guy who didn't really see any kind of future in it, and he bailed out, so it became Bill and Ted's. The uh, guy's father, who, I mean, Madsen was the name, but he had uh, said this would be a good film, and he encouraged him to write the screenplay or the film for it. And uh, they're actually portrayed in the movie, the writers. They're the uh, guys of the Piggly Wiggly. Ziggy, Piggy, Ziggy, Piggy. <laughs> they're the two guys. Those are the uh, writers. Uh, just wish I could remember their name and give them the credits. Yeah, um, you completely knocked that out of the park. And the the name of the writers, because I've got it right here, you've got uh, Chris Matheson and you've got Ed Solomon. Matheson, not Madsen. Yeah, I mean, however you want to pronounce it, you know, you could say you could say uh, it's it's Chris Madsen, but whatever. But yeah, I, I mean, say Michael Madsen. Do you say Madsen? Madsen, yeah, Michael Madsen. Cool. Right. Dude, I love that guy. Like, the guy has a has a really really hard time staying alive in a movie, but <laughs> he can cut an ear off though. He can cut an ear off. Yeah, yeah. Like you've got like Michael Madsen and Tom Sizemore. I think it's like built into like their contracts that they have to die on camera because those two dudes die in literally everything. Like I'm pretty sure like. Michael Madsen has died in like a family, like comedy, you know, like that dude dies. And I think the, the only person that dies more than him is again, Tom Sizemore that I wonder if, I wonder if those guys have ever done a movie together. Like have them like reenact the end scene of Pete, but it's the two of them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 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 well, shit. Yeah. Uh, Tom Sizemore was in was in Heat, and he was the one that grabs a kid and he gets shot. Right. That would probably be the movie that those two guys were in together, and they both die. Anyway, Bill and Ted. <laughs> this is fun. Um, I one, you know, I'm going to go all over the place because of the fact that I'm really, really thrilled to have you back on the show, and. It's a little bit later than other episodes I've done. So, of course, I'm, I'm having myself an adult beverage. What about you, John? Are you drinking anything tonight? Sure, yeah. I have a one Topo Chico uh, just for the hydration. But I'm also having a Pint House IPA or Hazy. Uh, it's called the Electric Jellyfish. It's a big fan favorite here in Austin, Texas. I love the Electric Jellyfish. I think that would be like the beer of choice whenever, well, one, we'd go to Pint House, but whenever we go like the Alamo draft house or whatever, and we'd watch a movie, pretty sure that would be the, the beer of choice. It's a solid beer. Now, do you like blue moons? I do not like blue moon. Me neither. But in some way people compare these beers. I wonder if it's just because blue moon, it has kind of like, you know, it, 
it, it, it's hazy, right? But it, it's more of like a wheat beer where the, the jellyfish is an IPA. So I think probably like the thickness factor because like the jellyfish is a meal in itself, right? I mean, that, that, that's, a, that's, a, that's a beast of a beer. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm having a I'm having a little I'm having a little IPA myself. I wanted to do something a little a little fitting for for Bill and Ted. You know, I needed something that had a little California vibe. Granted, it's a local beer. I'm having a Creature Comforts, but the specific one is Tropicalia. And you got to think, you know, when when I hear Tropicalia, California kind of strikes my mind. So it reminds me of a a Beck song called Tropicalia. And of course, Beck is from California. So there you go. Boom. That's my connection. I don't know where we were, but. Uh, we're still at the beginning. <laughs> of course. Of course. Yeah. So uh, so there's Bill, there's Ted, and they're rocking out in the garage. And they have a debate. And the debate is over. What do they need first? An epic video to get Eddie Van Halen. Or do they need to know how to play so they can get Eddie Van Halen, like they, so they can play well in the video? But how are they going to get Eddie Van Halen to come to teach them how to play well if they can't make the video? So yeah. that's the debate they're in. And what I liked about it was I felt that they disagreed, but they were excited. They go, yeah, and they just slapped <laughs> in. <laughs> you know, and in it, I looked at it, I go, you know, like, Keanu's an optimist and Bill is a bit of a pessimist. You know, he kind of puts things down. Um, but what I did find throughout the film was Bill is more optimistic than I thought. He's not putting everything down. A lot of times he's building Ted up and kind of yeah. like you know, give him a little pat on the back. Tell him, hey, man, you can do this. Yeah, I think Bill is probably and granted, you know, they're they're. They're a partnership, but it really I get the impression that that Bill is the uh, portrayed by Alex Winter for those that get them uh, confused. You have Keanu Reeves who plays Ted and you had Alex Winter who played Bill. But I get the the vibe that that Alex Winter, a.k.a. Bill, is probably the the leader, if you will, of the two. He shows more initiative, definitely. Yeah, yeah. yeah he's he's definitely more aggressive. He relies on Bill. Bill's kind of our uh, Ted's kind of his muscle. Yeah, you know, if there is that in the dynamics. Uh, but it, he also kind of relies on Ted as the ladies' man. And uh, but I think in any friendship, and I like to think you and I have a really good friendship. Do we have a Bill and Ted friendship? I think we have, we're worthy of Bill and Ted's. Here's the thing is, as we discuss films, do we have a Kirk Spock friendship? You know, we have a lot of friendships. And mm-hmm. I, I think in ways we may be more like Bill and Ted than Kirk and Spock. I'm okay with that. I'm totally okay with it. I, th- I think that's a good theory. It's not that because I'm tall and you're shorter. You have nice blonde hair and... Uh, but you have curly hair like Bill. I do. Bill, I, I feel like his wavy. Wavy. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. Now, now, granted, you shave your head. You shave your head often, and when you when it comes in, it, it's kind of curly. But what color? Yours is like a. Is it not a, like a dark blonde? What, what color hair do you have? I think it's blonde. Yeah. Uh, you know, in life, sometimes you have to work at a job and they put you underneath a roof and you don't get the sunlight your hair needs. 
It's true. And, and I feel like if somehow I hung out in some war, it would be blonder. That's really funny that you mentioned that. Not that this really has anything to do with Bill and Ted at all, but when I was in the Navy, I spent a lot of time outside when I was on the ship, right? I mean, you're in the middle of the ocean, and if I wasn't on the bridge, I was outside painting the ship or, or doing something really equally irritating. Um, so you're outside all day, every day. My hair got really, really light. You know, I've, without, without being out in sun all day, you know, I've got a really dark, muddy, blonde kind of color. But when I was out, especially when I was out in like the Persian Gulf, I got really blonde and that was cool. I, I you know, I wish I, I still had that, but I bring that back because my, my daughter, who's two and a half, she's got really beautiful blonde hair and this has happened on more than one occasion, but we'll be out somewhere. My wife who has famously has red hair and I obviously don't. And our daughter has really blonde hair. On more than one occasion, I have had I have heard like observe people and say, "Hey, where does Elliot get the blonde hair from?" I like part of me dies inside. I'm like, "Wait, well, maybe her father." I'm like, "Right here, you know, I've I've got blonde hair. I know it's not that blonde anymore." Oh, I totally agree. So to go back to me, like my hair gets a little bit red around the mid area, not here or here so much, but right in here. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, <laughs> uh, shit. What? It, um, Tommy Boy? Is that Tommy Boy? That'd be Tommy Boy. Yeah. 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 Yep. Another uh, buddy, buddy film. That'll be a fun top five. What are your, what's your top five favorite buddy films? Uh, we're not going to get all in them today, but I will tell you one. And you know this from me, but a lot of people probably won't, but it's fired up. Uh, Fired Up is a buddy comedy. It is not a cheerleading film. It is a film of two friends uh, just going through the ups and downs of life. And it's got great humor and a lot of good actors in it. Uh, It was underrated for its time, but Fired Up is one of my favorite buddy, buddy comedy films. Okay, so back to Bill and Ted. Yeah, back to Bill and Ted. (laughs) Yeah. All right, so this is the thing about... They're like, hey, Bill says, hey, Ted, we're late. And Ted's like, for what? And he goes, school. And it was in the early signs that Ted's forgetful. Mm-hmm. And it is one of those themes throughout the movie that Ted is forgetful. They say, Ted, don't forget to wind your watch. But he, he does. He forgets forget. to, yeah, he forgets to wind his watch. Yeah. So uh, that's one of those things I like that they I like to think they put early in the movie was uh, the forgetfulness of Ted. Yeah. I think that's a good call out. So not, I don't know if we necessarily, well, shit, we can, we can do an entire film walkthrough. Why not? Right. So they, they finally get to class and what was the question that the teacher asked? It it was a good one too. All right. So to Ted, he said, who is Joan of Arc? Noah's wife. Noah's wife. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So yet a fun little gag. And, and that's when we, we get our kind of like our little inciting incident, if you will, that, Hey, if you don't, if you don't get a good grade, you're going to fail my class. So that's not good for them. But I think my favorite, I think my favorite bit uh, of that scene was when 
The only thing that they've learned is that what Caesar is a salad dressing dude. I, I don't know how many times I've seen this film, but every time that line comes up, I, I have a good chuckle. That and when we're introduced, is it Misty or Missy? Misty. Missy. Missy. Yeah. So it's mom. Yeah. Mom. (laughs) (laughs) So we were introduced to, to Bill's stepmother, who is only just a few years older than them. And it's obviously a very sore subject for Bill. And, and Ted is, I don't even know if Ted, I don't even think Ted is really like ragging on, on Bill, but he's just throwing out, one, some really funny exposition, but it, it, there's some really good humor. And I think my favorite line, though, is like, remember when I took, when I asked her to prom? And, but there, there's like a whole escalation. And I wish I had like the dialogue here. And all right. So here's the thing is, I do think Ted is ragging on him. Oh, do you? Okay. Yeah. Because whatever they're going, it's two different scenes, but it's easy to remember as one. But when they're going to the car, he's like, remember when we were freshmen and she was a singer? And he's like, <laughs> shut up, dude. <laughs> you know? But later on, when they're at the house studying, because they, you know, you need to focus because Ted might be going to Alaska, you know, M- Missy comes in and she's like, hey, how's it going? And the dad comes in and the dad's like, hey, why don't you guys get on out of here and give some catch? <laughs> <laughs> and they walk out. And so on the way down the stairs, he just, that's whenever Ted's just like, dude, now he's going to move forward yeah. in your room. He goes, do you remember when I was a, I asked her to prom? He's like, shut up, Ted. And, and that's one thing that makes me think that Ted was ragging on him a little bit. That I think that's kind of one of those and I've never lived in Southern California, but I got a feeling they, they kind of rag on people sometimes, kind of give people a hard time. I, that, that whole, that whole gag is one of my favorite things is the whole Missy gag. Oh, it's uh, so great. So good. It's so good. <laughs> and what happened, what she brought them like an afternoon snack and she's like leaning over. And he's like, it's your mom, dude. And because Bill was like trying to check out a rack. Yeah. Well, I mean, um, <laughs> I'm just gonna lay off this one. That's just leaning over, and I think both of them were. So, uh, where do you want to pick up? Uh, why don't we just go to the first meeting? They go see, like, you know, they're at the Circle K. They go down the. They meet Rufus. Their buddies. Uh, their buddies themselves. They come out. They meet. <laughs> and trivia question: What number were they thinking of? 69 dude that's right um and so that that pat you know obviously nobody else could have ever thought of that number they got in their <laughs> ted reminds other ted don't forget to wind your watch and give our love to the princesses you'll see um, <laughs> uh, anyways they go on their journey the first stop is hitting napoleon he's attacking austria and in a fluke of luck, because it didn't happen in history, Napoleon died on an island. Uh, a cannonball hit Napoleon, and he flew into the time zone, and he went down the time warp and uh, flew through. And at that point, Bill, Ted, and Napoleon, they're like, what are we going to do with this guy? This guy's knocked out. 
So they leave him with Ted's little brother, whose name is Deacon. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and they're like, you know what? We got this great idea. Let's get all these guys together. Uh, they leave. At that point in time, it may be important to know that Ted's father asked him, where are my keys? He's lost his keys. Uh, Ted has no idea, truthfully. He was not lying to his father. He wouldn't do that. Uh, but either way, his father lost his keys, sat him down, says, I'm sending you to Alaska. They leave. And Ted tells Bill, it's over. And Bill, and this is one of those optimistic points, was he goes, only if we fail are you going to Alaska. So they hop in the time warp machine, the telephone booth, and they're like, let's go pick up more people from history. And the first place they go to is the Old West. And they end up meeting Billy the Kid. They walk into a saloon. It's a pretty fun scene because – if you're a high school student, and no way do I encourage this, but uh, they walk into a saloon and they order some beers and they get they get the beers. <laughs> they say they said they didn't even card us. <laughs> so, yeah, we got to remember this place. <laughs> so anybody who knew somebody or ever maybe at one point bought beer at 18 would kind of know that feeling. <laughs> And I, I think, I mean, this is where we, obviously, we, we saw a little bit when we met Napoleon briefly, and we see it a little bit of, of it when we, when we meet Billy the Kid. And obviously, these are very much caricatures of these historical characters. I mean, none of these characters are really drawn out very well. It's all kind of like sketchy versions of, of, of these characters. Like Billy the Kid, I think when he died, he was like 21, but the dude that's playing Billy the Kid in this is certainly like in his like at least his late eight, uh, late 20s um mm-hmm. but you know like this movie is obviously none of this movie is supposed to be really be taken seriously like the, the whole concept is very tongue-in-cheek and when we meet napoleon and now when we meet billy the kid they're just kind of like fun caricatures of themselves and so they're they're in the saloon and billy the kid takes on Bill and Ted to join him in a, in a, in a poker match that Billy the kid is very much cheating. And, <laughs> and, <laughs> and pisses off the, the people that he's playing. And, and then as a result, a melee ensues and people are punching each other. And do you, do you appreciate the old, the idea of an old style bar saloon fight? Like, you know, like that's kind of like blazing saddles, I guess, a little bit. Like I feel like in a way, like there's a part where one of the ladies who works there is like, Billy, watch out. She grabs a rope and she swings across it. You know, like in film and cinema, I guess at some point that's what they thought of bar saloon. I love bar saloon scenes where like fights break out, like in the old West and shit like that. I love it. I, I think it's hysterical. I think my favorite like saloon bar fight scene was in uh, the three amigos. And <laughs> what do they say? You talk about the Germans? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The Germans. And even before like the Germans, but when the, they, they, they sing, Oh my God, what is my little buddy, 
has the sweetest smile. Yeah, exactly. And and then uh, and then everybody starts singing along to it and everything. But yeah, so I love a good like old west saloon scene. And Back to the Future Three had a really good saloon scene. And yeah, they're 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 fun. To answer your question, totally, yeah. totally, totally, totally love a good old west bar saloon especially when when it leads into a fight and bottles are broken over people's heads well to move forward because i would love to keep talking about this (laughs) billy was cheating so he had a reason to get out of town Mm -hmm. you know what being somewhat close and like he lived in america the closest probably to their time as possible he probably had the best ability to understand what they had to provide him. She's like, yeah, we'll get you out of here. We'll get you back. Don't worry. So Billy's like, let's do this. Yeah. And then then they take him to a phone booth and Billy, the kid's first reaction is not to be remotely shocked that he's in a phone booth. Cause what the hell is a phone booth? His first question is where are we going? Yeah. Where are we going? (laughs) Yeah. It's like, all right, all right. This And that tells you enough about, as if you didn't already know what this movie was going to be, that right there lets you know that, okay, th- this is this is not to be taken remotely seriously. And then where do they go? Well, they go to ancient Greece, a place that looked like Led Zeppelin's cover, uh, <laughs> yep. cover from the House of Holies. <laughs> <laughs> but... Uh, I do want to talk about one thing. Oh man. Um, what, uh, when Socrates does the days of our lives intro. No, I, I, I want to get back to Socrates. It was before it was leaving. It has something to do with Billy the kid. Some of the questions I, I am kind of curious to have with you are about costume designs or really allocation of funds and who has the ability is that the director because one of the things is like when they're running around the shopping mall i'm thinking to myself like this is billy the kid and the most you know whatever costume and so crazy and bed sheets but there's also <laughs> not a cost to think about like they had to set up that whole town where everybody mm-hmm. had cowboy hats they had to set up a, a scene where a few people had, you know, it's like, you know, it got a little less and less as time went on, but really an idea of like, how much does costume design, like how much would you allocate funds to that compared to graphic designs, right. um, the music? Um, Cause that's another thing where I guess the parallels between like back to the future and the music in this film, I'm kind of curious about, cause you know, back in time is a great song, but this, I feel like this, one of the things with this music, this movie has a lot to do with music. Right. Yeah. Well, when it comes to budgeting, I mean, there, there are tons of different things that go into play. Now, this movie only had a budget of like six and a half million dollars. And I say it like only had, I mean, when we put in the context of both you or I, like six and a half million dollars is an astronomical amount of money. But for a film, that was chump change. So how much money did Back to the Future have? Uh, Back to the Future was probably 20, probably 20, maybe, maybe even more. Now I'm going to resist. Just in the context of six, six and a half million. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And I'm fact checking that right now. Back to the Future had a budget 
Oh, oh, so I was $1 million off. Back to the Future had a $19 million budget. But here's where this is important to know is the fact that Back to the Future came out in 1985, so they probably shot in 1984. Bill and Ted was shot in 87, maybe 88, so that's a three-year difference. So when you put it in, Back to the Future had $19 million in 84. In 1987, that's probably, from a budgetary standpoint, closer to $21, $22 million. So when you when you when you put everything together, yeah, Back to the Future had a substantially substantially uh, higher budget than than Bill and Ted, and I think many things show that they didn't necessarily have uh, the biggest budget. But I think Bill and Ted did did a really good job. But anyway, so. So they grab, so they grab Billy the kid. They then subsequently go meet Socrates, and they he's wearing ancient Greece. They head to ancient Greece. Ancient Greece, yeah, ancient Greece, so, the home of philosophy and uh, democracy. I would mm-hmm. probably say, yeah. yeah. And they pick up Socrates. Socrates, and not to, I mean, we can we can go each and every single person that they pick up, but. Long story short, they go through time and they pick up a myriad of different people. A couple of people that they don't necessarily pick up, but Bill and Ted fall in love. They meet a couple princesses in um, in like 1500 England, right? That's true, to a King Henry in 1500 England. Mm-hmm, yeah. And one of the actresses, I forget, her name is Diane something or another. I, I, I feel horrible that I can't remember her her uh, her real name. But she was in a lot of stuff, and I think she's still a working actress. But whenever I think of her, I think of her as Monique in the 1980-something film Better Off Dead, where she plays the uh, the French exchange. Uh, the French exchange. Like, why is exchange a hard word to say? The French exchange student Monique. Uh, did you ever see Better Off Dead? That's the one where John Cusack's holding the. Uh, thing above his head, the uh, boombox. Uh, no, let's say anything. But you are correct that it is a John Cusack movie. This is a movie where he's dumped by a girl in the beginning of the movie, and throughout the film, he 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 comes up with different elaborate ways to kill himself, but he never he doesn't actually go through with it. And then he meets this foreign exchange student played by Diane something or another, the the brunette princess with the curly hair in this movie. Fucking awesome movie. So good. One of my favorite 80s films. But anyway, point is, she's in that. She's in this. And I love her in both films. Is she redhead or was she the brunette? Uh, the brunette. So I did a little fact checking. Okay. In 1500 England-ish, there are apparently four King Henrys. Two of them had daughters. None of them named Elizabeth or Joanna. Well, uh, shit. This movie is BS. But I think... And this is just me thinking, and I, I don't have any film degree, but there was a writer who's like, you know what? King Henry's a favorite is a famous name, like King Henry the Eighth. Mm-hmm. And both of his daughters, who were famous, like Elizabeth and Mary, were both redhead and brunette. Mm-hmm. So I kind of think they just kind of made a hybrid of him, but like a different style. And they try to force these two girls to marry two uh, royal ugly dicks. Or, 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 because of the fact that the princesses do go through time at the end, they're not in the history books. 
Sure. Yeah. I mean, writing was new back then. And if I had two daughters who just ran off, I probably wouldn't. I'd probably be like, hey, where are those pages? Tear that out. Yeah. Just out. like, yep. Tear, Tear it, it out. out. Was that a glory reference we were just doing? It might have been. Tear it up. Tear yeah. it up. <laughs> Which this movie does have Abraham Lincoln. Sorry, spoiler for later, but he's the he's the last one they pick up. Is yep. Abraham Lincoln last person they pick up? And I think that's probably very fitting that we yeah. get to the, kind of like the, the final act of the film they anyway. Yeah. Yep. And you have a little montage where they're picking everybody up, and they finally pick up Abraham Lincoln. By the way, the actor that played Abraham Lincoln, he was solid. I thought he did a really good job. I got. I'm not gonna lie. At one point, I wasn't sure if it was Ted's dad doing it like a dual role. But I looked it up. It was not Tez Dad. All right. Yeah. So, boom, they get everybody. And the final act, it is a their like their history report, if you will, that they're they're filming. Where is it a mall? Is that where they're doing it? Yeah, they're doing it in a mall. All right. So they get back after running across each other through time. And Rufus telling Ted, reset your watch. But they get back, and after doing the house chores, because Missy makes them do the house chores, you find out Missy has two cars, one a Volkswagen, one that cool thing that she picks them up in. But uh, she takes them to the mall, because part of the project was, how would these people look at San Dimas today? Mm. And so I would think in 88, a mall would probably be a pretty good place to take somebody. In 1988? would be huge. Yeah, that would be an absolute place to take them in 1988. I do love that they had, um, they took Napoleon to water. Well, they didn't take Napoleon to Waterloo, right? He found his own way there. He did. Well, yeah. Yeah. And they found him because like, where would Napoleon go? Waterloo. Waterloo. Absolutely. Yeah. Hey, pop quiz. <laughs> Why did Deacon leave him at the bowling alley? Because he was like a square. He, he sucked or uh, why, why, uh, what did, I don't know. Why Why did he leave him? He was a dick. Okay, all right. <laughs> <laughs> Which, anybody's listening, if somebody's being a dick to you, you have all the right to leave. Just walk away. <laughs> just walk away. <laughs> yeah, if they're being, yeah, just walk away. Who cares? I love that it was kind of like a recurring gag that they, you know, that they, the whole purpose of Napoleon in this movie is just so they can rip on Napoleon in the entire movie. Well, one thing I did like was after the Ziggly Piggly and he got the badge, they go bowling and he's still wearing it. So <laughs> there is a point of like, like he was, he was pride. Mm-hmm. That. But I also feel like at, at the Ziggly Piggly scene where they're in, eating the ice cream, there's a girl who goes to get a scoop and he like cuts her off. Yeah. <laughs> Which in some ways means out of that whole big bowl, she was still hungry. She was a small girl. So he took even more than his fill than he needed to. But mm-hmm. like they were still hungry. So he must have eaten the majority of that of that uh, ice cream. Yeah, and got it on his face, too. Yeah, well, that's what, that's what it takes to win a badge, man. It's true. It's true. All right, so they get, they get to the final show, right, where there are people who are saying things that, like, you know, liberal high school football rules. You know, they're not great shows. Bill and Ted put on a great production. Fantastic show. There's like special effects in it, right? I mean. See, I think one of those scenes that was cut was whenever they were talking about all those things that go through history, that they were going to get a guy up in the, the stage. They were like, hey, Ted, 
this happened at the sheriff's office whenever they're breaking people out of prison. But they were like, hey, Ted, we need to steal your dad's keys. We need a recorder. We need the trash can. They're like, you know what? We need a production design guy who can play the ambient. <laughs> you know, we need to get that guy too. We just forgot that because they didn't have enough time in the hour and a half movie that they made. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but no, it's funny because of the fact that we, we've talked a little bit about the budget and we've obviously covered the, the plot pretty extensively. But for what this movie was, and again, you know, it's not going to win any Academy Awards or anything from a production value and the the costumes, which were certainly serviceable, they weren't that extravagant. I mean, but I think they I think they get a lot for their money and for what the movie is, I think it's definitely a success. Rotten Tomatoes, if you look at like the critics, it's somewhere I want to say it's over eighty percent. It's often be called a like often been called a stoner movie, which I I I, I don't know I don't I don't necessarily. I don't know if offense is the word, but I take a little bit of offense in that term because of the fact that it's not really a stoner movie. Well, I guess this, they were surprised to be served alcohol at the bar. Yeah. Yeah. So there you go. That's, that's my beef is with critics that, that call this film a a stoner movie because it is fundamentally not a stoner movie. It is an educational film. Yeah. It's a buddy comedy. It's a buddy comedy. Yeah, about two friends traveling through history, just trying to pass class. So basically, they could tell the world to be excellent and a party on. Yeah. And not only that, have Abraham Lincoln tell people to party on. Yeah, he backs it. I mean, Mm -hmm. if you don't like Abraham Lincoln, I don't like you. Now, what... Obviously, I, I guess I can't really change the course of history too much, but I mean, do you think part of them wonders like, hey, we've got Abraham Lincoln here. Do we maybe tell him not to go to the fucking theater? You, well, no. I, you know, if they thought about it, they probably would have forgotten. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, that's something I did watch where most of these individuals kind of died, like Napoleon went and lived on an island, but Joan of Arc killed. Yeah. Uh, most of them died. Billy the Kid. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah, Billy the Kid, Joan of Arc, Genghis Khan. So I I didn't do too much fat checking. I, I like the idea that things wouldn't have changed that much. For instance, the princesses that let's just pretend that, you know, they just warped through history and they were, you know, written out of it. You're right. And, Vice versa, let's just pretend these people happen, or you know, similarly closer to deaths. Time didn't change, and that's why we're able to make it to this point. Yeah, there are no consequences for messing with the space time continuum in this one, whereas in Back to the Future, that is a fundamental issue with it is not not interrupting anything, right? It, it, it's that whole butterfly effect, right? That that whole concept does not exist within the scope of uh, Bill and Ted. You know what? In a way, maybe Marty was a better pupil. Marty was a better, you know, learner. He understood. Mm-hmm. And uh, Bill and Ted, they, they just, I mean, they just weren't smart, you know? Right. But, but in some ways, the time gods came back and gave Bill and Ted it, not Marty. And what does that say? Mm-hmm. You know, maybe Marty's power would have gone to his head and Bill and Ted were the people who should have been handled time. I think you are most certainly onto something. 
Okay, so we are getting toward the end of our time for this particular episode. So let's let's start talking a little bit, a little bit notes, or if you've got any questions or anything like that, and we'll begin our kind of our gradual uh, conclusion to this episode. Uh, I'm gonna rapid fire, just throw a couple of things your way. The things that have gone up or down in our times since, uh, I guess, 1988. So you usually say up, down. Okay. Or if you want to tell me whenever they peaked. Okay. Pay phones. I'll, I'll say this was their peak. Yeah, this was okay. their peak. Circle K. Nah, man. Circle K is still, uh, is still going strong. Is that an East Coast thing? They're not. They're not strong here. They're like a poor man's Seven Eleven. Okay. Uh, Iron Maiden. Well, I mean, they certainly had peaked before 1988. I mean, that was a band that was like that was like a 70s, like early 80s metal band that's been around. And I think part of the reason why they've had some type of longevity is because of their uh, their little like skeleton like mascot guy, right? Jackets tied around their waist. Oh shit! That is definitely that that peaked forever ago. That not a good look. Okay. All right. This is a different question. Do you believe in time travel? Do I believe in time travel? I I believe in time travel because I believe that there are things that we that we don't understand yet. So I believe it is something that is a realistic possibility. Do I believe it has happened yet or anybody has discovered it yet? No, no, I do not. But yes, this may sound crazy, but I do believe that time travel is actually possible, but I don't believe anybody has cracked the code on how to do it as far as in the year 2020. And for the people who say like, oh, but people would have gone back and be like, well, maybe the people who have been in time travel never thought to come back to 2020. Yeah. You know, yeah. Maybe the things they came back for were things past us. Yep. Yep. I'm with you, man. Yeah. What do you think? Uh, I think it's absolutely possible. I think, um, I think it can happen. I think in some ways people had to figure out what their scope of time travel is. Like, right. Always heard uh, music's the closest thing we have to time travel. Now, me, I was, if you want to know, I drive a 95 Chevy. I love it, man. You still have that, don't you? I do. And I was cruising down South Congress and I was just listening to some Eric Clapton playing Layla. It was the cool Layla, which is the rock and roll one, not the slow one. But (laughs) I'm cruising in a 95 Chevy, listening to Layla on South Congress. You know, maybe that's time travel, you know? I think when I when I think John Rowe, I mean I have many, I have many, many memories, but <laughs> one of one of my favorite like John Rowe. You're going away party? I'm sorry? You're going away party? Well that was fun too. Well, I was thinking the week before you're going to a party when I showed up. <laughs> and I was like, I'm here. And you're like, it's next week. <laughs> <laughs> that was so good. That was so good. Um, yeah, I, I, I forgot about that, but that, that was hysterical. I was walking Murphy and, and you show up and like, I'm here. I'm like, that's great. The party isn't happening yet, but it's great to see you next Sunday. (laughs) (laughs) 
Uh, and that is very much a, a, a John thing to do. And I, I love it. But, you know, one of my favorite things would be when we would work together or when I was working in B Cave and you work in a, a different different location in B Cave, but work would be over and we'd be driving home. And I forget the name of that road, but we meet up at like one of like the stoplights. And I, 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 I assume that 1995 Chevy, you don't have working air conditioning. So you always have like the windows open. I got what's called a 255. Two windows down, 55 miles an hour. <laughs> <laughs> and so just being stopped at like the traffic light and I look over and there you are. And you do one thing when you drive, you've got like, you've got, you've got the windows down and you've got your, like your right arm on, like on the seats. Yep. Yeah. Yep. They say uh, 10 and two. I'm a, I'm a 12 o'clock kind of man. I just have one hand up. Yep. One hand on the wheel and then one the other right on top yeah i don't know i i i just have that image like so when i close my eyes and i see john Rowe, i see you in your in your in your in your chevy truck with the windows down your hair blowing and you've got you know you're just resting your arm on like on the seats it's just like two box that man picture me rolling (laughs) all right so john i've got a question for you cool all right if you were to take any one of these characters from this movie and bring them into modern day Austin, which character would it be? And what do you think they would think of Austin? Wow. That's a good question. (laughs) (laughs) I I came up on that, you know, all on my own. Well, (laughs) 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 so for the listeners uh it wasn't a question i created it was a question john created and yeah we we made a couple alterations and then finally I, i i i took the lead on john's question so So I'm going to attribute, this is John's question, but now I'm reframing it and asking him his question. Okay. Well, I would take so... uh, So Socrates. I would take Socrates. I would take Socrates. So I would take Socrates. Reason being is, in Texas, Austin is very unique. It's a city of free thinkers, open-minded individuals, um, and some some pretty tough people too. Uh, we embrace arts like music and film, and plenty of others, of course. Football, UT, Hogan Horns. Uh, but <laughs> uh, for the most part, if I could bring Socrates to Austin, first place I probably would take him to. Ruby Barton Springs, and then I would have them go eat some good Texas barbecue, and then maybe have some uh, Tex-Mex and margaritas in the evening time. But I think at the end of the day, he would find Austin uh, a very beautiful city of free thinkers and nice individuals. I would love to see what, what Socrates thought of barbecue and breakfast tacos. 
I, I would be really interested, especially this fir- this film's version of Socrates, because I think he would be a big foodie, which would be hysterical to have Socrates eaten. Now the question is, what what Texas barbecue place are you going to take him to? Oh, well, I'll take him to the best one, the one down by Barton Springs called Terry Black's. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but the question to you is, where would you take him for tacos? I um, here's the thing: like, there are so many good breakfast tacos like places in They're Austin. All good. They're all so good. It, I don't want to do like any like type of like cop outs or anything like that. But this may sound crazy, and it it probably is crazy. But I think my favorite breakfast tacos in Austin were actually at a gas station over by the store that we worked at in Bee Cave. I I loved their bean and cheese breakfast tacos. Yeah, no, I know those. And that's all you need is bean and cheese, man. Yeah. Like I, I enjoy like a good Migas and I enjoy, you know, all sorts of different breakfast tacos. But I think I think bean and cheese is where it's at. And I think the answer to the question is wherever the closest closest taco stand is in Austin. Yeah, I th- they're, they're all good. So just go. You're wasting time driving. In, you know, you're like, oh, I'm a Torchies person. I'm a Taco Deli person. It's like, dude, what's what's around the corner, man? Is there, you know, a pop up trailer? Because they probably got good tacos too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. God damn, I I can't wait to be back home. The taco is strong here so good yeah and i think i think socrates would love it so correct answer and i think barton springs would be a great place to take him thank you man yeah um can i say one last thing yeah please um i just want to say happy birthday to katie it's her birthday today oh my god you're absolutely right and i i sent her i sent katie like a little Facebook, uh, wish her well. So we, for the listeners who are probably wondering who Katie is, Katie is one of our dear, dear friends, Katie Catterlick, just one of the, the sweetest, kindest people you'll ever meet. She, she worked with us once upon a time. She now is up in Minnesota and we, we both wish her very well. So yeah, that, that's a great, great call out. Happy birthday, Katie. We're thinking of you. We miss you. And we can't wait to see you again someday. Well said. Who was your individual? Who would you have? I would. It seems a little on the nose, but I would take, I'd take Abraham Lincoln. I'd bring Abraham Lincoln to Atlanta because of his you know, with the whole idea of uh, Emancipation Proclamation. And granted, there's still a ton of work to be done. Make no mistake about it. I'm not going to, you know, whitewash history. But I think part of Abraham Lincoln, listen, we, we can get like super serious all that we wanted. And I, you know, I, I think that's for another time. But in the grand scheme of things, I think, Abraham Lincoln would be blown away if he came to Atlanta and saw the type of diversity that we have in this town. And 
and although there are serious, uh, serious issues that are going on, very serious issues that are extremely important, I think of the characters in this movie, I'd bring Abraham Lincoln. And although I think there would be things that would frustrate him, I think he'd be extremely proud of where this country is in relation to where it was in the 1860s. So I'll leave it there without trying to get too heady and still try to keep this a little light, but I bring him to Atlanta and I would take him to. What was the place with the chili dogs? I'll take him to the varsity. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I take him to the varsity here in, in Atlanta. Take out some Chick-fil-A. I mean, you're trying to impress somebody from like, was that 1863? Yeah, yeah. Basically, the 1860s. <laughs> like, I'm pretty sure any of the food would be good. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Yeah, Just bring my Chick Fil A, dude. I would take him to a place and get him uh, chicken and waffles. That's what I would do. Chicken and waffles, and here in Atlanta. All right. So the time has come, my friend. Are you ready for your pop quiz? Oh, sure. Yeah. We've we've covered several. But can you name all of the characters that Bill and Ted bring with them through time without cheating? Is cheating classified as looking at my notes? Uh, yes. So off okay. the top of your head, who do they bring with them? All right. Napoleon, Bill the Kid, uh, Socrates. Beethoven, Sigmund Freud, Joan of Arc. There, there, there are two more. There are two more. Oh, there's two more. Twinkie. Genghis Khan. And Party On. Abraham Lincoln. There you go. All right. Perfect. What is Bill's last name? Preston. Yeah. It is Preston. What do you think the S is? Bill S. Preston Esquire. I don't know what the S stands for. Uh, Do you? Do you know what it is? I don't because I have not watched any of the films. Don't know anything, but I'm willing to guess his name is William S. Preston. Mm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. William Shakespeare Preston, maybe? Oh, probably, probably. So I pose this question because of the fact that for the longest time, I I, I was always baffled. I'm like, was Bill a hyphenate? Like, is was his last name Preston Esquire? I didn't, it wasn't until later on that I realized, no, Esquire is a title, but that is often given to what? Less than a night. Yeah, less than a night. Yeah. So, and then the American terminology, it's off, off, like often give to like attorneys and things like that, like an Esquire. Yeah, I used to think that Esquire was like the first because it wasn't like Bill S. Preston the first. Like he just went by, like I used to think that's what it meant. Mm. The the actress who plays Joan of Arc, her name is Jane Weedling. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> okay. All right. I'm like, I'm like, shit, do you know where this is going? Okay. Uh, so the actress who played Joan of Arc, she was in an 80s uh, pop band or rock band, female rock band. They were the Go-Go's. And, okay. but, 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 but she had been in a couple other films and this is where you're not going to get it. But 
or if you do get, I'll be really, I'll, I'll, I'll be really impressed. But it was she, in the eighties, right? It, it was in the eighties, yes. Yeah, but she famously played a singing telegram girl in a nineteen eighties movie. Singing telegram girl, a nineteen eighties movie. Oh man. Did John Hughes direct it? No, John Hughes did not direct it. That would have been good because that you might have been leaning toward Ferris Bueller's Day Off, but mm-hmm. but no, not that. I I'll I'll tell you. But she played a singing telegram girl in the movie Clue. If you ever saw Clue, I you know what I did see it once and I forgot about it. It's okay. You'll have to see it again because Clue is fucking amazing. And that was. Uh, that was Joan of Arc. Yep, Joan of Arc. Nice. Question four, you definitely know. So Bill and Ted obviously travel through time in a, in a phone booth, mm-hmm. but that wasn't always the case. What yeah, was I the, know. What was, Mark, the, what was the original time machine? Do I have to pick the year of the vehicle? No, you don't have to do that. It was a van. Well, what was the year? Uh, 68. Oh, I thought it was 69. I thought it was a 69 Chevy. It would have made sense. I, you're probably right. I, You know what? I was guessing on the last part. I yeah. Like your, yeah. Yeah. So it was a 16. I want to say it was a 69 Chevy van, but they scrapped that for a couple of reasons. One, that was a little too Scooby-Doo-esque. And two. That's not it, what I heard. That's not what I heard. What I heard was that somebody stole their idea and they went and filmed a movie about a guy who travels back in time using a hot rock. So that that was the other reason. So there were two reasons. One, the Scooby-Doo thing. And two, obviously, a DeLorean had already been used as a time machine vehicle. Now, fun a fun little fact is the time machine was not a rather the DeLorean was not the original time machine for back to the future. Do you know what that time machine was originally supposed to be for time? I'll tell you. Tell me. So it was a refrigerator. It was a refrigerator. The refrigerator was supposed to be the original back to the future time machine, but they ditched that because of the fact that there were probably many reasons, but chiefly among them was the fact that, this movie was supposed to be designed for kids and the last thing they wanted to do was have people go into, you know, basically lock themselves into a refrigerator and suffocate and die. So they, they, they ditched the whole idea of the refrigerator and changed it to, to the DeLorean. But a funny little side note is the fact that, like the original ending was an atomic like bomb like goes off in Back to the Future, and he gets in the refrigerator to like shelter himself. I think from from like the the fallout, and he ends up like blowing back into regular time. I forget how the script goes, but where this is funny is that scene was more or less used a couple decades later in a movie that. Spielberg directed Indiana Indiana Jones. Jones. Exactly right. Did you know this? Did you know this? Uh, Well, I didn't know that part of the story, but I know he was singer describing. Yep, exactly. So that scene, but 
Yeah. So Steven, uh, Steven Spielberg basically ripped off an old version of like an old version of the back to the future script because he liked that scene so much. He used it in Indiana Jones and uh, the kingdom of the crystal skull. Did I have that title right? I think it's probably important for you to be factually correct. I think everybody just says school or crystal school. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. but that, yeah, but that, the, the fourth one, the fourth one that most people tend to not enjoy. So that is a, just to kind of bring everything full circle. The original time machine, uh, Bill and Ted was a van. The original time machine in back to the future was a refrigerator but Bill and Ted end up using a phone booth and Back to the Future uses a DeLorean. Somebody learned something from that that five-minute rambling that I just did. Well, I, I want you now to explain the difference of, as a film goer of like how you got to change it over. But maybe that's for a different time. That's for a different time. We're going to yeah. do a couple more of these. We can, we can, we can, we can go back. Yeah. So that was question number four. Number five, you already know. So you're going to go four for five, which might be a record on here. So what convenience store do they meet Rufus at? So, okay. Boom. There you go. We already addressed it. What, what uh, shirt did Ted have on? What was the band? Was it their own? No. I don't know. What band? Van Halen. Was it Van Halen? Fun fact that Van Halen, Eddie Van Halen, said that he would have loved to have been in a movie if he would have been approached. Of course, he says that after the fact. But, you know, like if, if, if he would have been approached before the movie, would he have said that same thing? Who knows? But you rather have Van Halen in a movie or uh, Huey Lewis? I'm probably going to get like torched over this, but I would have rather had. Um, Huey Lewis in the news, or rather Huey Lewis in the movie than Eddie Van Helen. I I I don't I don't mind the band Van Halen, and I probably like more Van Halen songs than Huey Lewis songs, but when it comes to Van Halen, I like David Lee Roth. I don't really give a shit about Van Halen himself. Maybe that's the thing the show though, is like they don't care about Sammy Hagar, David Lee Roth, they care about Van Halen. Yeah. Like, that's who they want to hang out with. Mm-hmm. Not which one of these guys. They just want to play, hang out with a guitar player, which, if I remember right, you play the guitar. I do. I don't play well, but I do play the guitar. Well, maybe you need Eddie Van Halen to teach you. Nah, man. No. I. And by the way, Eddie Van Halen is a absolutely brilliant brilliant musician but fuck that guy he's a jerk <laughs> um, but I'm, I'm basing that just on on stories that are all hearsay he, he very well could be the the coolest guy ever i think unless you've got anything else you want to close with i think i think that kind of covers it for for part one of our three-part bill and ted series cool my last closing statement would be say be excellent be excellent to each other party on dude all right john thank you very much i i'm very very thankful that you came back and joined for this series this is fun this is gonna be a little bit different just because i know the fact that the next couple episodes i'm gonna be talking to you about a different different film within this universe 
I got to tell you, I am more excited. Now, granted, I was extremely excited about talking about this film. And, you know, I didn't even get to discuss. Maybe, you know what? Fuck it. We're gonna, I'm going to bring it up now because it's my podcast, right? Um, do you have a top five favorite? Like, what are your top five favorite time-traveling films? Okay. Uh, well, you got to put... In no particular order, of course. Sure, of course, of course. Jackson Hughes in there. Bill and Ted's in there. Guy Pierce's uh, Time Traveling Machine. Okay. Film. Uh, I now put, spoiler alert, I hope you've seen this movie, but Avengers Endgame. That's a time traveling movie. Yep. Uh, time traveling. The one with Hugh Jackman, The Prestige. That wasn't really a time travel movie. It was just more of a. Uh, they just mess uh, mess with timelines yeah. in the film. They they don't really like. There's no time traveling. Just timelines that they play with in the movie. Yeah. Well, you know what? I'll tell you what. If you stick tuned for the bogus journey, I'll tell you my fifth one. Okay, that's fine. Do you want to? Do you want to know mine? I would love to know your top five. <laughs> So number one, the greatest time traveling film ever, as far as I'm concerned, is Back to the Future. And it, it, it's a very distant two, three, five, like beyond it, because Back to the Future is not only just one of my favorite time traveling films, but just one of my all time favorite movies altogether. And when people talk about like time traveling movies, it kind of covers like this gray area like people want to like throw movies say like groundhog day into it i don't think of groundhog day as a time traveling movie because he doesn't necessarily travel through time he just relives the same day each and every day so yeah you know the day ends and it goes back to the same day but i don't think of it as a time traveling because there's no there's no mechanism that he is causing to go back to that same day you know, it, it's essentially uh, karma that it, that is causing him to relive the same day over and over and over again until he gets it right. I mean, that's why the movie is very – it's more spiritual than science-based, if that makes any sense to you. Do you follow me? Yeah, I feel like it's the opposite. It's time's not traveling. Exactly, yeah. But people often will think of that movie as kind of like a time-traveling movie, and I fundamentally disagree with that movie, with with that logic. And granted, Groundhog Day is also among my all-time favorite films, but it is not a time-traveling movie. So just to get that out of the way, I'll move on. So I have, I have Back to the Future, and I, I, I'm leaving out Bill and Ted, even though it's probably in my top five, but I wanted to come up with... <laughs> four other movies that weren't back uh, Bill and Ted. So as stated before, you've got Back to the Future. Would you consider Interstellar a time-traveling movie? I do think that they, they're, they're yes, yes, I do. Yes, it is a time-traveling film. Okay. Um, yes. Now, their objective isn't necessarily to tra- travel through time, but in the same way that I, I think... I, I put Interstellar in the same way that I put the movie The Arrival in it as well. How about Inception? Inception, no. I don't think of I don't think of that as a time traveling movie because it's all about like your your um 
your, your, your psyche or your, yeah. your, your subconscious, if you will, not, you're not necessarily traveling through time. But anyway, I've got back to the future. I've got 12 monkeys. Ooh, yeah, man. Right. I wish, I wish the camera, I wish people would hear me flicking you off right now. <laughs> <laughs> so 12 monkeys I've got, which I think is brilliant. I've got, um, a couple deep cuts here, but I'm going to put them in there. I, I really enjoyed Looper and I liked how they kind of blended Bruce Willis and, um, uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt in the movie. I thought that was really neat. I'm going to put that one as a tie. So I'm really going to do six movies. Um, the other movie I'm going to do... I'm doing four and you're doing six, okay. There you go. I'm I'm going to throw in... Did you ever see the movie Frequency? Absolutely. I think that's great. And yeah. I'm just going to shout out Garth Brooks. That song, man, is so good. But anyways... Yeah, people who like Garth Brooks will know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I don't know a ton about Garth Brooks, but you know a little bit about Garth Brooks. I know a little bit. I mean, do you respect the fact that he was able to host SNL at one point? Like, sure. Frequency. I really enjoyed that movie. Um, I'm a fan of ever since Backdraft. I've been a fan of firefighting movies. It's a good firefighting movie. It's a family movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, it. It's a good quality movie. I really am a big fan of Frequency. And what else do I have? Oh, the small indie film that most people haven't seen, but I think it's a really great. I guess it's Memento. No, no. (laughs) Memento. No, Memento is not a time traveling movie. The movie's just filmed backwards. Um, Is that not Apple? No, so there, the the way the movie is filmed is the device. Nobody is traveling through time, right? Okay. It's just a device that they're using in the movie it's to tell it. Storytelling. Yep. So yep. the movie that I'm talking about is a small indie film that I think is really great and it's really funny. It's called Safety Not Guaranteed. I don't want to tell, like, talk too much about it other than the the basic plot, which is this journalist reads a like a like a like a newspaper ad where this guy says, Hey, I need somebody to join me on my my adventure. I'm traveling through time. I've only done this once before. You need to bring your own weapons. Safety is not guaranteed. And this reporter is like, what the hell? This, this guy sounds crazy. I want to do a story on this person. And he brings an intern and another, a, another person with him. And they go to this small, this small town in either like Oregon or Washington state. I can't remember. It's been, it's been a minute since I've seen the film. So the three of these people go to meet this guy that is potentially like this quack that is claiming that, you know, he, he, he's going to travel through time and he wants somebody to accompany him on this journey. And that's all I'm going to say. If you haven't seen it, watch the movie safety, not guaranteed. And if you have seen this movie, I encourage you to 
um, respond to this, uh, this podcast and say, yeah, I've seen that movie. I fucking love that movie. I love that movie so much. Um, I want to discuss that movie. So yeah. And you could be a guest. I want, that's what it is. I basically am trying to stack the deck so that somebody chooses that movie because I want to, I want to talk about that movie on this podcast because it's really, really fun. But anyway, safety, not guaranteed. That is my number four. And my number five is Donnie Darko. That's, I, I really don't even want to beat up too much time talking about Donnie Darko because we've been rambling on. This is already going to be the longest episode of this podcast, but Donnie Darko is amazing. It's a really cool, really cool story. And time travel is a fundamental uh, plot line. And it also has one of the coolest soundtracks ever made. But boom, that is it. That is all I have for tonight. Do you have any any parting thoughts for this evening? Uh, no, just uh, be excellent to each other. Be excellent to yourselves and party on, dudes. Party on. John, thank you very much. I have thoroughly enjoyed this episode. This might be my favorite episode that I've done to date, just because, one, the, the movie is so much fun, and, two, it does open up to a world of other discussions. And I think we've... I think we've um, We've covered a lot of things tonight. And so thank you. I will see you for our follow-up episode, which we will be discussing which movie? That would be Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey, where they're going to go through really life, death, technology, advancing. There are a lot of things going on. A garden ridge may be seen in the movie. (laughs) I don't know why I haven't seen it yet. Uh, Yeah, it's going to be fun because this movie, which is really about time travel, it's a buddy-buddy time travel. The next one, they they, they take on some other themes, right? And the uh, Bogus Journey is going to be a little bit more metaphysical, which is kind of cool. I like that that they're exploring different, uh, different worlds and... Well, I think through life, you, you you know, first you go through school and you kind of learn about the past and you kind of think about the future and you're optimistic. But believe it or not, at some points of your life, you got to think about who you are and what it means to be in this world and how you're going to contribute. Just going to be a piece of shit and not contribute. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, like, but like, that's what the second film goes into is like, yep. who you can be. Yeah. You know, like you're educating the first one. Now, now here's who are you going to be? Yeah. I guess all I can say is tune in for, for that episode and hopefully you've enjoyed this episode. So anyway, once again, John, thank you very much for, for joining me tonight. And I look forward to bringing you back while we discuss Bogus Journey. And until then, be excellent to each other. Hasta luego.